We'll be in Luke chapter 4, if you want to turn there. The season of Lent is uh, structured and modeled after Jesus' time in the desert at the beginning of his ministry. And it's essentially a 40-day period where we, uh, we follow Jesus into the desert. Uh, he was fasting and praying, preparing for what was ahead. We are fasting and praying, preparing for what is ahead. Uh, he was tempted uh, by the enemy. We are tempted all the time by the enemy. And he models something for us that's very important. In the call to discipleship, he makes it very clear. Uh, you see this in Luke nine twenty three. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, uh, here's, here's what it takes. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross every day, and then just follow after me. So self-denial obedience, no matter what it costs you. And then a walk, a bringing those things, uh, side by side with Jesus as you walk through your life in relationship with him. So last week and then today and then next week, we're looking at, uh, we're going to follow him into the desert, literally in the text. We're going to look at these encounters he had with the enemy with these, these, there are three different temptations. And look at how he is modeling for us what it looks like to deny yourself and to take up your cross and to follow him. And in that modeling, we're able to learn from our rabbi, which is, that's the goal, is to become like him. And so uh, that's kind of a little bit of background on what, what we're doing together. Let me, let me read the whole, the whole passage, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4 in Luke's Gospel. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned uh, from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their, and their glory. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. Until an opportune time. So, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. Jesus models that for us. Last week, um, in, in looking at self-denial, at that, that first thing, um, really it all, it all comes down to self-denial is saying no to, your, to yourself, to your own desires, to what your... Uh, like that prideful, broken part of you wants. You're saying no to that. 
And so last week, the, in the first temptation, Jesus refused to take control of the situation. So the devil says, hey, I know you're really hungry. There are these stones there. The stones look like bread. How about you just turn them into bread because you're powerful enough to do that. And wouldn't that taste awesome right now? And uh, Jesus refuses to do that. He refuses to take control of the situation by letting his, his physical hunger rule over him, by letting what his body is, is demanding of him uh, be what is ultimate. Jesus says, no, uh, my body doesn't rule over me. I rule over my body. And I'm not going to take control of this situation. I'm going to let the Lord control this situation. Uh, he led me here. He has sustained me. He'll lead me out. Um, nice try. Now, the second temptation is it's similar, but it's also a little bit different. Let's look again at, at verse five. It says the devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, I'll give you all this authority and their glory for it's been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it'll all be yours. Okay, so a couple of things. One, um, all this authority and glory of these kingdoms, like all their, uh, all their power, all the, like the, like you push all these kingdoms together, like the thing that kingdoms were fighting against kingdoms to take over territory and to have more, more glory and more money and more power and more, you know, whatever you want to say. Shows them all that in, in, in the world. Uh, all that's coming to Jesus anyway. Like this isn't like a new, a new thing for him. This, we, we know that this is a part of the messianic prophecies is that this is going to be a part of the rule and reign of the Messiah. Now here's a little bit of proof. Like in Isaiah nine, this is like a, one of those advent passages. It says for to us, a child is born. This is verse six and seven for us to us. A child is born to us. A son is given and the government shall be on his shoulder. Like he's shouldering the government. That's in the Old Testament prophecies. So we know that that's a part of what is going to happen with Jesus anyway. The government should be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Right? That's, that's the very thing that Satan is tempting him with. This is coming to him anyway. Um, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So we know that that's part of Jesus's future as Messiah, according to the old Testament. Then in Micah chapter five, this is similar. It says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they shall dwell secure for he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. So, so what Satan is putting in front of him as a quote-unquote temptation is already a part of his final destination. Okay, So it's all coming to him anyway. So what that means is that Satan is putting this temptation in front of him to, to bypass whatever path God has him on, like A to B, to get to that, the temptation is to veer off of God's path for his life and onto his own path to arrive at the same destination. He says, hey, instead of, instead, of going, um, instead of going this way to get there, how about you go this way to get there? You're going to get there 
And so in modern day terms, we call that a shortcut. Right? We call that a shortcut. You're arriving at the same place, just taking a different path to get there. So what is at the, what's at the heart of a shortcut? Well, avoidance is at the heart of a shortcut. Like in our lives, when we, like, let's just a little survey, show of hands. How many of you are like, uh, the, you're like the king or queen of traffic shortcuts? Put, put the hands up. Here we go. A lot of you guys, right? You're like, oh, no, this is back to, I know, I know a way, you know. I know, I know the way. How many, and like people who like their app is like constantly up there on their phone and they're like rerouting and rerouting and rerouting because it's like the worst nightmare for you in the world to have to like wait in traffic. So you're avoiding something, right? You take that shortcut because you're avoiding something. You maybe you're avoiding waiting. Maybe just the stop and go is just it's just too much for you, especially if you drive standard. Man, I grew up driving a standard, and traffic was... I drove to New Orleans Seminary for years driving a stick. It was just terrible, terrible, terrible. My left leg was a bad deal. Okay. Um, maybe you're avoiding... Maybe you're trying to avoid being late. Maybe you're trying to avoid wasting time because your time is precious. But you're, there's some, something that you're trying to avoid that if you stay on that path... You're going to have to come face to face with it. So you take a different route to get to the same place to try to avoid something. Um, another th- like shortcuts, like keyboard shortcut, like when you're like on your computer and there's all these shortcuts because you're trying to avoid like the, the extreme hassle of a drop down menu, you know, and the like microseconds that that saves you to use a shortcut. But like someone's like, you ever, has, you ever done something the long way? And they're like, oh, why don't you use the shortcut? Don't you know? Don't you know the shortcuts? Like, I know the shortcut. I don't really know the shortcut, but um, those things on the keyboard as you're working your computer, you're trying to avoid having to do something maybe like a longer way than you think so. Um, another example I thought of was like uh, diet pills. What's up? Shortcut, right? It's like, nah, nah, like just, you don't have to, you don't have to like eat right and move a little bit, you know, just take these pills, don't change a thing and watch the results just uh, accumulate. You know, that is a shortcut. You're trying to avoid the hard work of eating right and moving right. And you're trying to avoid that in any way we can do it to try to take a shortcut to lose weight or whatever it might be like diet pills or another one. Like the, at the core of a shortcut is avoidance. It's not always sinister and evil and all that kind of stuff, but it is, we're trying to, we're trying to get around something that's in our path. To get to the same destination, but we're just trying to do it a different way. I was thinking about how sin and temptation is really the same. It's like the same kind of thing. That here Satan is offering this shortcut to glory. And sin does the same stuff. And I just put down a few and these are not, believe me, like whenever I do this kind of stuff, I don't want you to think I'm like scanning the room. Like, who can I pick on today? These are just... Random examples, so don't, you know, whatever. Stealing, all right, let's start with stealing, right? You're, you're stealing because you're trying to avoid paying for something, so you just take it, right? There's avoidance there, it's a shortcut. Lying is a shortcut. You're trying to avoid the consequences of telling the truth in a given moment, and so you take a shortcut uh, to avoid that. Um, just piling together, adultery, lust, sexual sin, whatever. You're trying to avoid the work and commitment of an actual covenant relationship. So you take a shortcut to get there. Greed. You're trying to avoid the, the faith and trust in God that's just a natural part of generosity. Um, and so we greed and we hoard. We're trying to avoid being without. That's like our worst nightmare, so we, we keep it all close. 
slander. I don't know, that's a random example, but uh, slander. We're trying to avoid the humility and grace that it takes to just have healthy relationships with people. And so to av- avoid that, like what that requires of us, we just take a shortcut and we talk bad about people or gossip or whatever. I went through this whole list of, uh, of like, all, like sins that are listed in the Bible, and every single one of them I would come to, there would be a, it's, I'm trying to avoid something, so I'm going to take this shortcut. And that's what Satan is trying to offer to Jesus. Satan is tempting him with a path that doesn't require something. So what, what in Jesus' path to glory would be something that he's trying to get him to avoid? Crucifixion and death. He says, hey, just, just instead of going down this path that's going to require the most suffering of an experience that humans in their, all their like, twistedness can come up with, instead of having to go down that path, just worship me real quick, and I'll, get you, I'll take a shortcut to the end, and you'll have all the glory and all the authority of these kingdoms without having to go through that terrible thing. And who wouldn't be tempted by that? I mean... Crucifixion, uh, we've probably all seen it depicted, and it just comes up so short of how agonizing it was physically, but also how agonizing it was spiritually for the, for the sinless, perfect one to have the sins of mankind put upon him, for his mind to have to process all the filth and whatever of, of our sin, that spiritual pain was probably worse than the physical pain. The emotional pain of having your father be the one to do that, of the, of the father to take his life. And there's just so much wrapped up in it. We'll talk about that as we get closer. But who wouldn't want to avoid it? Even in Gethsemane, as he's praying, he asks he asks the father, "Is if there's another way than going down this path, then let's talk about that." Um, Jesus is not excited about the crucifixion. So here's this temptation in front of him that when we read between the lines, he's really saying, hey, I got a way for you to not have to die on the cross and for you to still have all the awesome reward at the end. So why would Jesus refuse that tempting offer? In some ways, it's amazing that he said no to bread after 40 days of not eating. But this one is, this was deeper. This is, this self-denial is, I don't know, there's something to it. Well, part of it is that he, I, I think, I think he spots something fishy in the offer. He spots this little lie that the enemy works in. So look at verse 6. It says, To you I will give all this authority and their glory. Here's the lie. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. That's not true. It's not true. Now, Satan has some, he has some power, okay? Like he, there, is a, there is a degree to which... Um, maybe he could say this and it'd be easier to, easy to buy into it, you know? 
However, we have to keep in mind that he is not God's equal. He's not Jesus' equal. I love this. There's this this picture that I have on my phone, and it's like Jesus and Satan like arm wrestling, you know? It's, it's just a good picture, trust me. Um, but it's, it's just not true. That's not really what happens. Satan is not Jesus' equal in any way, shape, or form, but he's so arrogant that he thinks he is. That's the thing. He, he, he is convinced probably of this lie. Deep down he knows that it's not true, but he's so prideful and arrogant that he might be believing it in this moment. But Jesus knows uh, that, Jesus, that Satan is an accuser and he is a liar and he is envious of every single thing about him and you and me and us. And that he is spinning this thing to make this shortcut even more appealing. He's lying to him about it. That's the thing. Avoidance is not enough. Avoidance has to have a lie embedded in it for the enemy to really trip us up. And when we believe that lie is true, we tend to act and take a shortcut. And usually that ends up in self-indulgence, which is the opposite of self-denial. And Jesus spots the lie refuses the shortcut and denies himself. So those, those examples of avoidance that I just mentioned, here's an example of the avoidance plus the lie that's embedded in it. So for stealing, you're trying to avoid paying for something because, uh, and here comes the lie, because maybe you think you deserve that thing. Maybe you think that person doesn't deserve that. Maybe you're just like, I just, I want that and I'm entitled to that. So I'm just going to take that. Like there's a, there's a reason in there. It's not just that you're avoiding having to pay for it. It has to be driven by something deeper. And it's this lie that somehow justifies you going ahead and taking that thing, whatever it may be with lying. The avoidance, you're avoiding the consequences of telling the truth. And here's the lie is that the consequences of you telling the truth would be, would be too hard to live with too awkward, too uncomfortable, too difficult, too exposing, too whatever. And so I can't possibly live with the consequences of telling the truth. Therefore I lie and take the shortcut. So there, there has to be, there has to be a a bigger lie embedded in there in terms of sexual sin, adultery and lust and all that. You're avoiding the work and commitment of a relationship. But the lie is that it's uh, all that, all the work and commitment of a committed covenant relationship, it's too difficult. This would just be faster. And your body's demanding it. So what else can you do? That's the lie. It's embedded in there. Greed. You're avoiding the faith and trust in God that's part of generosity. And the lie is... Uh, well, you know, you, you look at your own checkbook. There's not enough to go around. You can't tie 10% and still live on 90. The math just doesn't work. Not even for God. That's the lie. Slander where you're avoiding the humility and graciousness needed for healthy relationships. And here's the lie because you're not, at least you're not as bad as that person, you know? At least you haven't done what they have done. And talking about them is going to kind of make you feel better about yourself. Therefore, you go ahead and just slam them. See, it's not just avoidance. It's avoidance because of some lie that is whispered to us. And so the lie to Jesus is avoid the cross because really, I, Satan, I hold the keys to those kingdoms and I'll give them to you. God's a liar. He's holding out on you. 
I'm the one. So, when tempted with a shortcut, whatever that might be, it's another form of taking control. And if we're wanting to deny ourselves, we first have to identify what we're trying to avoid. And then we have to identify the lie that's being offered and embedded within that. Whatever sinful patterns you feel like you're caught up in, you're trying to avoid something because of a false belief that's embedded in there. You have to take the time to prayerfully identify what are, what are those things. Then you take that lie and you compare it to the truth. So for Jesus, the lie is that Satan holds the keys of the kingdom and the truth is Satan ain't nothing. That God is the holder of all those things. And then you just simply choose to refuse the lie by refusing to avoid what God has put in your path. You say, that shortcut is tempting. I would love to avoid this. But this thing I'm trying to avoid is the very thing that God has put in my path. I'm not talking about traffic or computers or diet pills. I'm talking about like in terms of like what is God calling you to For some of you in this very moment, there's something in front of you that scares you to death. And you're trying to find a way around it. And you have an enemy who's going to whisper lies to you embedded in a shortcut. And this is a moment where you say no to him. Nice try. I know the truth. And you look at this thing in front of you and you keep going towards it. Seems crazy. So Jesus, he basically says, in other words, authority and glory would be great, but, uh, but the cross is going to be really awful. So just avoid the awful part and I'll give you the good stuff without you having to suffer. That's the, that's the lie. And Jesus uh, answers him, in verse 8, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. In other words, no, no, my father is the only one. My father is the only one that gives glory and authority. My father is the only, his is the only path that I'm going down. So I'm going to stay put. I'm going to stay in my lane. You can work your way through those, those things I was just talking about with stealing trying to avoid paying for it because you think you deserve it. Or you can say, it doesn't matter if I want it. It doesn't matter if I think I deserve it. I'll either pay for it, I'll do without it, but I will not steal. I will not take a shortcut. With lying, you can say, you know, it doesn't matter how awkward or difficult or uncomfortable the conversation. I can live with the consequences of telling the truth because that is what the kingdom of God is about. So no matter what, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I will not lie. With sexual sin, the truth is your body is not in control. And because God and people are too important to use for our own gain, you say, I'm either willing to do the work of being in a relationship or I'll do without, but I will not act on my sexual attraction outside of a marriage covenant. You just, you, you refuse it. With greed, you, you come before the, lot, uh, the Lord and you say, God is more than capable of taking care of me with 90% of the job he provided to me. Like, he gave you the job. Do you think he doesn't know what he's doing? 
So we say, God, you're more than capable of taking care of me with the 90% of the job that you provided for me so that my needs can be met and I can join together with other people in meeting their needs. And since all money is his anyway, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to be generous, but I will not take a shortcut to greed. With slander, we say, these are my fellow image bearers. They deserve dignity. They deserve respect. I'm no better than they are, and I'm covered by the same Savior's blood. So I'll deal with my own stuff and not talk about them as a way to cope and drag them down along the way. I'm not going to gossip. See, Jesus models this kind of self-denial. A recognition of that shortcut is tempting, but I see the lie and I know the truth. So I'm going to choose to stay on course with this thing that I'm trying to avoid. So that's all deny yourself. That's like one big long point, right? But that just pushes you into the second thing he says to do, which is to take up your cross daily. That is a, that is a, a concise way of saying um, you need to be obedient to what God has in your path, no matter what it costs you. Whatever that may be. So in one motion, Jesus denies himself and he picks up a cross. For him, it is very, li- is very literal. He picks up this cross. But what he's doing is he is embracing God's path for him. He's recognizing, I, kn- I know this is going to be terrible. But I will not take a shortcut and I will not take control. And so for us, what we are doing is in this one motion of self-denial, we are also picking up the cross. It's like this, it's almost like we are telling the devil no by bending down and picking up that crossbar in one motion. And it's so easy to fall into the tra- into this trap of, of we see this thing ahead of us and we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid suffering. We want to avoid being uncomfortable. We want to avoid difficult conversations. We want to avoid confession and confrontation. But I bring us back again to 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear. That word fear in the New Testament is, well, in, in literature from that time period, that word is used to talk about cowards that run away from a battle. You know, like the army is like charging against the other army and the guy running away from him, that's the word that they use. And Paul is telling Timothy, that is not who you are. That's who you were. God's given you this spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. He's given you his spirit. You're the guy that runs into it. Remember footage of, of 9-11 and the, the streets of New York and it's just everything's all terrible and everyone's running away and the firemen are going in? That's us. We're going full on at whatever God has put into our lane, even though that's going to be costly sometimes. He gives this single-minded response. It's just beautiful. And so whatever it is and whatever the cost, you have to pick it up today. And you got to pick it up tomorrow. And you have to keep going. Last thing, follow me. And bearing, for Jesus, bearing the cross of atonement, he decides to stay close to the Lord and to trust him. 
This response was amazing. He, he, he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and, and him only shall you serve. He's quoting from uh, this chapter in Deuteronomy where we find uh, so much of, of like the bedrock truth of our faith. This single-minded loyalty, this oneness with God and his people. And in Philippians 2 and 2 Corinthians 2, it tells us that we have the mind of Christ. So in the face of temptation to take a shortcut... Uh, to avoid because of a lot, all that stuff in the face of looking like you're staring at your lane and you're saying, can I do this? Can I say no? The shortcut, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. You share the same capacity to say no to that garbage and yes to the Lord. Same thing that Jesus does. It's a part of who you are and who I am. So don't believe that you don't have a choice. You do have a choice. Now, Jesus made a choice. First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, here's a little bit of, of so that was, we know the prophecy said that he, this is going to happen, and then he decides to stay in his lane, go forward with the cross, and so on the other side of it, these are some of the things that are said about him. Ephesians 1, verse 20. Some of these great things that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places, far above, what? All rule and authority and power and dominion. The very thing that Satan was trying to tempt him with, where did it land? He's there. And even greater. Like Satan just listed two things. There's like four things there. Like this is, this is such an incredible scenario for Jesus. And above, uh, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, that there is never, there will never be a greater name than his. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As difficult as the cross was, this was on the other side of it for Jesus. Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. He stayed in his lane no matter what it was going to cost him, and he, knew, and he knew what it was going to cost him. He'd watched it happen over and over and over again. He knew what it was going to cost him. Verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you think that the bearing of a cross is worth it? Well, if we're sitting with our rabbi in the desert and we're asking him, hey, is it going to be worth it for me to stay in my lane? He's going to say, absolutely. The shortcut leads to death every time. He's lying to you. So bearing your cross of whatever it may be, fill in the blank, whatever obedient steps he's called you to look like, uh, to take, As you bear that cross, you just stay close to him. You follow after him. You stay near to him. You say, I refuse the shortcut because I see the lie. I choose to trust the Lord's path for me, no matter what it costs. For he's with me always, even to the end. And so as we sit in the desert with our rabbi for 40 days, these are some of the things we can learn from his example. Now we have to like drag that into our own lives. We have to be willing to look in the mirror a little bit and say, okay, how, 
What does self-denial look like for me? What does taking up my cross, like being obedient to what he's called me to every day, what does that look like for me? What does it look like to, to, in both of those things, pull them into a closeness of walking daily with him? That's going to look different for you and for me and for all of us. So just some things to think about. Just what hits, what hits close to home? Could be the self-denial part, you know? Maybe sin has been, sin and those shortcuts have been really appealing to you lately. Maybe you've been given into some lies. Lent is a season of confession and repentance, and that's part of it. There's no shame in saying, hey, I've been struggling, but I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready for more. I'm ready to refuse, refuse the shortcut and say yes to the Lord. You can do that today. You can do that at any point. Why, why wait? Maybe taking up the cross. Maybe there's, there's something that you've been avoiding. Maybe some sort of, something uh, obedient that's in front of you. Maybe it's something that, that, uh, that you just love away around. And he's like, no, I'm going to need you to go through this. I'm going I'm to need to walk you through this. Maybe it's just a matter of picking that up and saying, okay, I'm going to own it. And I'm going to stay close to you through it. Maybe you feel distant and withdrawn from the Lord for any number of reasons. Uh, you don't have to go get your ducks in a row before you return to him. Jesus says, that, come as you are, God. Um, you won't stay as you are, but you can come as you are. And so wherever this stuff lands with you, part of the season of Lent is it's a little heavier. You know, it, it makes us examine our hearts and our lives. And so um, we have a few more minutes together, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in, in a more personal way. We've been very corporate up until now. And so now in a, in a personal way, you'll process some stuff, but you'll, you'll do it together. But this is kind of just, you know, this is for you. We'll have communion as an option. And in terms of self-denial, taking up your cross and following him, uh, Jesus has given us this meal of communion as a, as a tangible physical reminder of the grace he offers to us and the grace that we receive in order to keep going. So I have two lines here. You, you take the bread, you dip it in the juice, and you take it. But you, you can come in our line, whether you're a member here or not. You just, you just need to say yes, one who said yes to Jesus. Um, me and a couple guys will be on the front row. We'd love to pray with you. If there's something going on, you can come pray down here. We're going to sing. We're going to do our normal, normal thing. But this is uh, just some time that perhaps we can uh, humble ourselves to one more degree as we kind of process some of his example together. So let's stand together. Let me pray for us. Lord, you are good to us, not because we've earned it, but it's just who you are, and uh, we're thankful, just beyond words, for um, just for your nearness and your goodness to us. Jesus, I'm grateful for your example to us, because sometimes I, th- I think I know what self-denial and taking up my cross looks like, but to read it and to see you do it, it's just, it's incredible. 
So I'm thankful, Lord, that you, you know the difficulties that we face. You tell us in Hebrews 4 that you were tempted in every way just like us, uh, except you were without sin. So you're the only one that knows how to stay in our lane without sinning against our God. And so, Father, whether it's taking control or taking a shortcut or believing a lie, and there's so many different ways we could apply this, or just the struggle of picking up that cross and walking into something difficult, um, I pray that you'd help us all in these moments to, to process this in, in the space that we're given before we leave. And then we would just we would just leave nothing here, you know. And so, however you want to lead us in these moments through communion, prayer, giving, singing, whatever it is, may you have your way in this place. In these next few moments, we love you. We pray this uh, in your good and perfect name. Amen. All right, our stations are open. You can come whenever you're ready.